Hey there, healthcare professional. Yes, you over there in those figs. I see you looking all stylish and comfortable. I know because I have some too. In fact, right now I'm wearing my favorite figs, which are the Women's Graphite Yola High Waist and Scrub Pants and the Katarina One Pocket Scrub Top. They are the most comfortable scrubs ever. Not to mention, when poop hits the fan in the ER or some other bodily fluid goes splashing around, I am so glad to know that my figs have antimicrobial technology. Not to mention, they are the perfect fit and move when I move and not against me when I'm running from one cold blue to another. These scrubs are soft, stylish, functional, and actually work for the working nurse. Now, if you don't have a pair, I suggest you get some stat. Get your figs today. Head over to wearfigs.com, W-E-A-R-F-I-G-S.com, and enter Nurse Alice at checkout and get 15% off your next purchase. You're listening to Ask Nurse Alice, presented by Nurse.org, where Alice Benjamin combines no-nonsense advice with thought-provoking interviews. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Ask Nurse Alice podcast. I'm your host, Alice Benjamin, clinical nurse specialist and family nurse practitioner, and I want to start off today's show by just saying thank you. Thank you so much for everyone who has rated, reviewed, subscribed, downloaded the podcast, sent all your comments, your DMs, your messages, asked your questions, you've shared it with colleagues, friends. I am so delighted that you all are enjoying the content and listen, I'm going to keep giving you more of what you want. Stay connected. Let us know because I want to talk about the things that you want to hear about, things you find important. And I just want to continue to show support to all the nurses that are out there and various levels of nurses, right? Actually, maybe you're not even quite a nurse yet. You're thinking of going to nursing school, haven't taken your prerequisites, or maybe you're a nursing student. Maybe you're a new grad, maybe you're a new nurse, or you've been a nurse in the game for a while and you're looking to pivot and change and advance your career, any stage of those things definitely here to support you as well as my other healthcare professional colleagues who've also tuned in. Got a lot of doctors that listen to the show. So thanks so much. And also thank you to nurse.org. Guys, this show wouldn't be possible without them. Make sure to visit nurse.org for anything and everything nursing related. There's tons of helpful information on there, but you won't know unless you go there. Visit nurse.org. On today's show, I want to talk about mental health and wellness. We've all heard the saying, when the going gets tough, the tough gets going. So what does that really mean? Well, for most of us, it means that when a situation gets challenging, becomes difficult, or there are barriers that are in our way, that we stand up, we are stronger than that, we are smarter than that, we are wiser than that, and we push through. We work hard, harder to overcome those challenges and those barriers so that we can succeed. That's what that means, at least for most of us. But if you have another interpretation, I'd love to hear it. And so there's a lot of that that happens in nursing, a whole hell lot of it, like every day, multiple times a day. And I know I'm not the only one who thinks that. And this can definitely influence and mess with not only our physical health, but our mental health. And so on today's show, I really want to talk about our mental health and wellness and when is it okay to step away? Does it show strength? Or will people interpret that as a sign of weakness? And can we really do that in nursing? I mean, unlike some of the stories that we're going to talk about on the show, we're not necessarily athletes that can step away from the game because we don't want to play. 
We're at work. We're having a rough day. Who's going to relieve us? What's going to happen? Do we feel pressured to stay and put our feelings and emotions to the side to take care of others? Nurses are very selfless people. We serve others. We care for people who can't care for themselves. And in turn, we sometimes put ourselves last on the list. Bottom of the totem pole. Our needs are attended to last. We're telling patients to do X, Y, and Z and A, B, C and all these other things. Yet we're not even doing it for ourselves. That's how last on the list we are. So let's talk about that today. And I'm going to preface this conversation with Simone Biles, one of our favorite American gymnasts. Simone is actually a goat, greatest of all times. In case some of y'all missed that and didn't know what that meant. I'm not calling her an animal. I'm saying how great and wonderful she is. And, you know, we, we, the United States, were expecting Simone Biles to go and make history at the Tokyo Olympics. Because we know she is a bad mamma jamma, right? She is known for her long series of jaw-dropping performances. And we just knew that she was going to take home the gold medals. But she's now making stories in the Olympics for something different because she's decided that she will not be participating. And in fact, she is pulled out of the floor exercises, the uneven bars and the vault, and possibly will be pulling out of the balance beam activity, citing her mental health. That's something that's very important. She has recognized that there is something going on within her. And at one point she's even acknowledged losing track of her position while in midair, which is a very dangerous outcome for a gymnast. The U.S. Gymnastics Organization has shown nothing but support for Simone. And in a statement, they said, we wholeheartedly support Simone's decision and applaud her bravery in prioritizing her well-being. And, you know, there have been other public figures from Justin Bieber to Michelle Obama and so many others who have offered words of encouragement, telling the gymnast how inspirational she's been. And Simone has responded by sharing that the outpouring love and support that she's received has made her realize that she is much more than her accomplishments and gymnastics, which she never really truly believed before. And, you know, this was a startling statement from an athlete who is widely regarded as being the best in her sport. Now, Simone does have her credits out there, some saying that she is selfish that other gymnasts missed their opportunity by one spot and they would have never walked away. And even citing a previous gymnast from 1996, y'all, Carrie Strug, who participated in the sports and in her vault event with a broken ankle. Now, we all know that's not safe. But anyways, you know, she has her fair share of critics, which I think is really unfair because the truth is they could never, ever do what Simone does. So they need to take several seats. So there have been attempts to paint Simone as this mentally fragile quitter. And that's just not fair, right? Simone is more than her medals. She's more than gymnastics. And she definitely does not need to carry the weight of the United States country on her shoulder, especially at a point where she has been strong enough to admit that she's not strong enough to push through the mental health issues that she's going through. And I think it's important to know that Simone has absolutely nothing to prove. We already know that she is the best. She showed up in Tokyo having won every all-around competition she's ever entered since 2013. And at the Olympics, she was just seeking to become the first woman to win back-to-back gold medals in the all-around competition 
in more than 50 years. So really, this was a Simone versus Simone type of thing. She really didn't have anything else to prove. She's won five medals at the 2016 Rio Olympics, four gold medals, one bronze. So this was really, you know, the only competition she had in Tokyo was herself. And we also have to recall that while Simone was going to Tokyo to represent the United States in gymnastics, this was also a reminder to her of how the U.S. gymnastics failed girls and women in the sports. Remember, Simone was one of the more than 150 women and girls who were sexually abused by Larry Nassar, who in 2018 was sentenced to up to 175 years in prison for carrying out the abuse while working as a doctor for the Michigan State University in USA Gymnastics. Talk about trauma. Talk about trauma. And so she has a Facebook watch documentary called Simone versus herself. And in that she talks about the abuse that she experienced from that physician. And, you know, she said she was super depressed. She didn't want to leave her room. She didn't want to go anywhere. She wanted to shut everybody out. And it was very hard for her. And nobody knew that. And she even admitted a few months ago that a big reason she chose to return to the Olympics was to hold the governing authorities in her sport accountable for enabling Dr. Nassar and failing to protect girls and women. She felt that if there weren't any remaining survivors in the sport, that they would have just brushed it to the side and it would have all been forgotten. So walking away from competition now isn't an indication that Simone is weak. It's actually an indication of how strong she is, strong enough to admit that she couldn't push through the problems she was facing. And even former Olympian Michael Phelps, who has been extremely candid about his struggles with depression and anxiety, commented on the situation. He said, you know what? It broke his heart. But he had hoped that her withdrawal would make other athletes feel more comfortable sharing their mental health struggles as well. And Simone's decision in Tokyo is kind of reminiscent of the tennis champion Naomi Osaka's withdrawal from the French Open in Wimbledon after admitting that she'd been dealing with depression since winning the U.S. Open in 2019. I don't know if you recall that, but she was playing against Serena Williams. And during this match, Serena was challenging the judges very often. But long story short, Naomi won. And so when she went to receive the acknowledgement and the award at the end, she was being booed. She was being booed because everybody was expressing their loyalty to Serena Williams. You know, here she is young, newcomer. You know, this was really her biggest win, first biggest win ever, and she was met with being booed. So think of that as your entry into sports. So Naomi also has experienced uh, depression and anxiety from the sports. And if you recall, she was actually fined and threatened with penalties for skipping out on a media conference. And after that, I guess she was just so nervous and on edge about everything that she decided to step away from the sports for a while. The number one highest paid female tennis player stepping away. Listen, I don't know about y'all, but that's a lot of money to step away. But the pressure is real. Pressure being in the spotlight, pressure to perform. So let me ask, as nurses, as doctors, as healthcare professionals, do you feel that same pressure to perform when you're at work? I know I do. I really do. Especially working in the ICU and the ER when the stakes are high and the situation is critical. There is definitely a demand to perform. It is all hands on decks. We need to be laser focused. I need to act with precision, with speed, and you know, just do my best because we don't have a lot of options. There's no room for error. Time is tissue. Y'all have heard all those things, right? But when that happens to us, 
what options do we have? Can we just say, oh, I'm not going to participate in today's progressive care rounds. I'm not going to participate in today's code because I'm stressed. Like, no, it doesn't happen like that. We don't have those same luxuries. And I have to preface this by saying, I'm not saying I claim to know everyone's mental health or wellness status in the healthcare professional. I do not. But I know for myself and I know for a majority of people who I've spoken to, there's lots of anxiety, stress, depression, and fear among healthcare providers, especially given this past year and some months having dealt with COVID. Short-staffed, not enough equipment, dealing with large amounts of deaths, having to ration care, having to deal with families who were grieving the, their loved ones dying and couldn't be there. I mean, we were in the belly of the beast, if I can just say that. Well, I did say it, so I guess I can. But lots of stress to perform. And we don't have a chance to kind of redo this. And if we make a mistake or we don't perform our best, the stakes are high. It's not an award. It's not a gold medal. It's a life. It's a limb. It's the brain. It's the kidney. It's the heart. It's the baby. It's the something that we can't get back. But what do we do as healthcare professionals? Is there an opportunity for us to speak out more to protect our mental health and well-being? That's a question that I have. Now I can tell you my experience and my, what my thoughts are, which is what I'm going to do because it's my podcast, right? But as a advanced practice nurse, someone who has been practicing for over 23 years, primarily in ER, ICU, I've done a lot of education and training and onboarding of nurses. I've taught residents. I've taught, you know, pre-licensure students who are entering into nursing. This is hard. It's hard. Now, I'm not saying not to become a nurse because I, listen, as much as I'm going to say it's hard, I love nursing. I can't imagine doing anything else, but it would be unfair for me to only paint the pretty picture and show you the roses and everything that smells good and looks cute and tastes good without being fair and sharing with you all the dark moments, all the stressful moments, the moments where we cry in the bake room, the moments where we want to cry and we can't cry because we are in the middle of a code and we have to be strong for the family and for the patient. Like there's no room for error. Now that we like to say, oh, we're human. We've heard the saying and we've read the paper to err is human. If medical errors were considered to be cause of death, it would be the third leading cause of death because of medical errors. Now I'm not saying all medical errors are due to mental health or wellness issues. I'm not. However, I think a majority of them are. I believe it contributes to it. Because if we were laser focused, if we were attentive, if we were really present in the moment and not busy trying to multitask and take care of everyone else versus taking care of what's directly in front of us, and most importantly, take care of ourselves physically and mentally, perhaps we would have better outcomes. I think that's true. And not just better outcomes for our patients, but better outcomes for ourselves. Because you can't have happy patients if you don't have happy nurses. You know that whole thing, patient satisfaction? Well, you can't really have patient satisfaction unless you have nurse satisfaction because the nurse has to be satisfied to do a good job so the patient can be satisfied. Yes, I'm a firm believer of that. I know the HCAP scores will have you some, believe in something different, but I'm here to tell you, okay? Because I've been on the other end of interpreting that data and trying to create action plans to help improve those HCAP scores. And listen, at the end of the day, I know majority of us don't all work in the hospital. However, Many of us do work in the hospital. Hospitals are only able to exist because of nurses. If there weren't nurses there, who would take care of the patients all day, 24-7? I mean, 
I guess you could have surgeries, but who's going to take care of the patients afterwards? I guess you could have treatments and tests and stuff, but who's really doing them? I know who's ordering them, but I'm, I'm just trying to say who's really doing them, right? We know how that goes. You can order medicines all day, but who's really giving the medicine? So nurses, 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 we are needed, but we're also needed to be present in the moment, fully present physically and mentally and spiritually and all of those things. I want to be like that when I go to work. Listen, if my kids are getting on my nerves or I had an argument with my significant other, if, you know, there's some kind of drama or strife in my life, coming to work can sometimes be a challenge because I have something that's personally bothering me to my core, but yet I am being asked to check my feelings at the door, walk into a building and to provide my 100% physical and mental attention to someone else. And so where does that leave me? I put myself on the back burner. That couldn't possibly be healthy. I know it couldn't possibly be healthy. Now, I don't go to work like that every day, but there are days that I do. And so I remember like back in the days, we know that when you're sick, you call out sick, right? Like physically sick, right? We, we can all see the broken arm. We can see the sprained ankle. We can see someone's pink eye and all of those things. But the mental health stuff you can't see. And I had a mentor tell me, take a mental health day. So we, we got those? Well, it's your, it's your sick time, but use it because mentally you need to take care of yourself. And that was not popular. That was not a thing back in the days. And, you know, if you're out so many days, you need a note to come back and all of these things. And so it can become cumbersome when you try to take time off to take care of yourself, unless you're going to go on some really extended medical leave. And, you know, it's like this. I need to pay my bills. I need to come to work. I need to do all those things. I enjoy what I do. However, I just need a day or two or three, maybe four or five. But man, doesn't the job make it hard to take those days off? And listen, then then there's a whole worry about getting written up. Oh my gosh, y'all want to write me up? I'm literally off because I'm trying to take care of myself mentally. Like I'm depressed. I am sad. I am all of the, I am fearful. All of these things. And now I got to be fearful of getting written up and losing my job. I don't want to be walking on eggshells. So it's nothing that I'm really proud of or really want to talk about because I'm just trying to deal with it myself. But now in order to get the time off, I got to tell my manager, I got to tell HR, I don't know, I got to tell somebody that I need some time off. And sometimes they'll ask, what is the medical issue? I don't think that they're really supposed to. I think it gets a little tricky with what, you know, you can just say health. I don't know the laws, you know, there's HIPAA and things like that. There are certain things you can share and not share. So don't go, don't take this as the instructions, check with your HR and stuff. But for the most part, I'm just going to say this. It's hard to take a mental health day off when you need one because people think you're playing. People think you just want to sit home and parlay. You might need to sit home because you are so mentally distraught that it's hard for you to focus. And you know what? You don't want me at work mixing up the Levo Fed with the Zosin and the Venko and the the heparin. Like, I don't want to get all of those mixed up. Too many lines, too many drains. And if I am sad, depressed, and it influences my ability to focus or to critically think or my judgment, this is going to be some real trouble. Okay gonna be some real trouble it's gonna be more than just an absence written up right I'll take the absence versus there's a sentinel event something happened like we have to realize that those are potential consequences when we don't take care of ourselves mentally 
Now there's a physical component of taking care of ourselves, right? We need to make sure we're getting enough sleep, that we're eating properly, we're drinking enough fluids, that we're not abusing any type of drugs or alcohol to kind of soothe our pain that we're feeling. We need to deal with it. And some of that actually involves taking the time off so you can seek treatment. Now, here I'm gonna go with treatment. Now, we all know mental health providers are definitely in a shortage, not enough therapists. And then of the therapists that are out there, some of them are cash pay. They don't take certain insurances. It could be hard. Or let's say your insurance pays for it. And then the next available appointment is six weeks from now, but you're having the crisis today. It's like there's so many challenges. And so if there's anything I can say positive about the pandemic is it's shown us how we can pivot to really optimize telehealth services. And I'll be the first to admit it. I was going through some things. I was going through some things. I told you my mother passed away before the pandemic shut down the nation, as well as the ending of a particular relationship and just having to deal with school and COVID during all of those things happening simultaneously. Definitely a challenge. Fortunately, I was able to find an online service I use, I'm not afraid to say, uh, BetterHelp. It was something that was online. It was affordable. It met my needs. And I was able to speak to someone. Now, there's nothing wrong with speaking with someone. And we don't need to wait till we're sad, mad, depressed, and having a crisis to speak to someone. It's kind of, I mean, think of your, your annual wellness visit, your physical. You should be going when you feel good, when things are still fine, still going, just to get a checkup. How are things going? You know, just like you take your car in. How's the oil? How are the brakes? How's the tires? Let's rotate them. Let's do all of these maintenance things so it stays well, so I can maintain. We should be doing the same thing for our mental health and wellness. We don't need to wait till there's a problem. Houston, we have a problem. No, when that happens, that's going to be the time where you're going to have to wait six weeks for an appointment. But with online services like BetterHelp, I've been able to talk to my therapist weekly, sometimes more than once during the week, maybe times I've talked to her twice during the week. And then she's available via text and email. And so I have kind of this lifeline, this, this therapist to talk me through things that I'm experiencing. And so that's something that's been very helpful, having someone to talk to. So it's going to be really important that we explore telemental health options, whether through your insurance or through your healthcare provider or through self-pay. I mean, prepare yourself with how to get help before you need it. Now, I know your employers will say, oh, we have the employee assistance program. I got my two cents about that. I mean, you can go there. They have them. That's good. That's all I'm going to say about that. I am not necessarily a fan of utilizing those services because I'd like to keep my assistance that I need separate from my employer. Yeah, that's just me. So I'm just going to leave that there. We're going to have to do a whole nother podcast on that topic. But then also, you know, participate in mental health screening. If it's offered by your employer, right? Like I said, uh, listen, I have a checklist here of things that, according to the American Nurses Association, are, are options. Now, I'm, I'm elaborating on those that I'm most familiar with, but I am checking off the checklist because I don't want to say, oh, Alice, Nurse Alice was an objective and she didn't mention this and mention that. Yeah, employers want to help us. They do. But at the end of the day, you're an FTE. I'm just going to leave it at that. And, you know, some places actually have crisis counselors at their job. Listen, where I worked before, we had a wonderful mental health clinical nurse specialist, Marilyn Shirk. She was amazing. She was always there for people in crisis. She's actually one of my mentors. She actually was, anyways, I'm going to go on a tangent on that one. But anyways, most places have some type of mental health crisis team. They should. If they don't, that's definitely something you want to recommend to your employer. And I can't even believe someone, they're not having that, especially after all this COVID stuff. But 
you know, those are the things that you should be doing. Tapping into all of the services that you need before you need them. Talking about how you feel, what you think, what you're seeing in a way that's healthy for you. We can't hold all of this in and not express ourselves. We cannot just act like nothing happened. We didn't see anything. Nothing was said that you're not hurting and expect to be okay because what affects us mentally will impact us physically. Like I'm not going to give the pathophys lesson, but we know that when our bodies are stressed, I'm going to use cortisol, for example, increased cortisol. What does that mean? Oh, there you go. High blood pressure, high blood sugar. You're going to gain weight. Skin's going to break out, lose your hair, skin fragile, like so many other things. And it can exacerbate so many other things and weaken our immune system and So it's really important that we focus on our mental health for us mentally. So we have clarity and can think and process and have good judgment in those things. So we can protect our physical being as well. And then also, so when we are at work, we are doing the best in things in the best interest of our patients and of our teammates. We would feel so horrible if we inadvertently harmed someone when we were already going through something. So I've had students come to clinical and I can tell something's up with them. They're not focused. And here they are on the borderline of getting written up. Y'all, right? Not focused, not participating, not knowing their patient, not knowing their meds. And, and so here you are not performing well at all. And I'm not knowing that you're going through something and on the borderline of a mental crisis. And I'm at a point like, I'm either going to send you home or I'll have to write you up because this is ridiculous. And then I find out my grandma died three days ago. Why are you at clinical? Why are you at clinical with me? I am your instructor, but I'm compassionate and I can understand the challenges you're having with focusing or perhaps you are very sick. Maybe you were, you know, you're waiting for your appointment to talk to your oncologist because they think you might have cancer. Like, come on. Now, I know it's very challenging to talk about what's going on with us. And to a certain extent, it should be private. We should have enough respect for people when people say, you know what, I'm going through some things. I need some time off. That should be enough. That should be enough. The only reason why I mentioned those examples were to give you actual examples of things that I have seen, things that I have heard. And I know there's a whole laundry list of things that can influence someone physically and mentally. Maybe you're going through a divorce. Maybe your kids are really cutting up. And, you know, it's it's like so many things can impact us mentally. And everyone's going to deal with it a little bit differently. But I know I want nurses to support one another. I support you. If I work with you, if I'm your clinical instructor, if any way, shape or form, I work with you, know you or anything like that. I am here for you. And some people have asked me like, well, Alice, I don't really know what to say, what to do. Let's talk about options that you have. These are the things that you can ask your employer for. These are the things that you should do at home. Let's set up some boundaries. Let's protect you. Let's protect your mental health and well-being so you can be safe and healthy and be here to take care of someone else. These are the things that contribute to nurse burnout. And I don't want no one getting burnt out Because the way things are going, we might have another second wave of COVID pandemic part two. We've seen this movie. We don't, with all these variants and things going on and the way things are heading, we're going to need all the nurses we can get, all the doctors we can get, all the respiratory therapists we can get to be available. But I need you to be ready. I need you to be okay. I need you to be healthy. And one of the things that we really, really have to do is to protect our mental health and well-being. It is okay to use your sick days and it's a mental health day. Nothing has to be broken. Nothing has to be bleeding. Nothing has to be swollen. Your health is your health. And I'm here to empower you to say you are your number one patient. You are. Your mental health matters. And if we're concerned about, oh my gosh, who's going to take care of the rest of my patients? 
Well, this is the one thing I will say. I know things happen and sometimes there might be a late call in, but the minute you recognize that there's something going on, it's important that you give your teammates, your coworkers, your employer a heads up that, you know what, I can't be in today. So don't wait to the last minute. Now, some of y'all are going to try to be strong and try to do it, but then you'll get to the door and be like, I can't do this. I'm going to give you a pass. I'm going to give you a pass. Don't make it a pattern, but I'm going to give you a pass because I know that you're hurting and you need to take care of yourself and that you will be no good to anyone here because you're hurting. You're the patient today. But I say that to say, please give as much notice as you can to the rest of your teammates. They will find someone else. They will find someone else to fit in, to take care of the patient. We might be working a little short staff, but hey, what's new? The thing is, when we are focused on our mental health and wellness and making ourselves a priority, you have to be the priority. You can't worry about, oh my gosh, what are they going to do at work? They're not going to make it. They need me. Because that's the same thought process that's going to have you at work, stressed, depressed, crying, making mistakes. And then you're going to get written up for a medical error. Then there's going to be patient harm. And then there's going to be all these things that happen. And then when you get into that office and we're talking about it, you're going to be like, I was just so stressed. Listen, we have to advocate for ourselves. If you don't advocate for yourself, no one else will. And so that's exactly what Naomi Osaka did. That's what Simone Biles did. You'll have your critics. Absolutely. But forget them. We're not worried about your critics. I'm a supporter of yours. Nurse.org is a supporter of yours. And your real friends are supporters of yours. We just want you to be healthy physically and most importantly, mentally. Okay, guys. So thanks so much for tuning in today's podcast. I hope that helps somebody. And if you know someone it can help, please share this podcast with them. Uh, That's the goal here to know better so we can do better and empower us to be able to know better and to do better. And it's okay. It's okay. The hospital is not going to shut down just because you called out because you had a crisis that you needed to deal with. You had your mental health to deal with. That is fine. It's okay. You matter. And I want you to know that. So guys, I'm Nurse Alice. I want you to please make good choices, be kind to one another, and live well, my friends. Thanks for listening to Ask Nurse Alice. Visit nurse.org for nursing career, education, and community resources.